our New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Peter. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the Vine Pair Podcast. And uh, Zach, before we get into our really, really exciting topic today that I can't wait to talk about, uh, what are you drinking? Oh, boy, what am I drinking? Um, I think the the number one thing I've been into right now is uh, Dark and Stormy's. So, you know, on our last podcast, I talked about trying to get into light rum, and then it just didn't really happen. Um, I'm still Dark still willing to give it a shot. But, but man, I, the Dark and Stormy to me is like, it's like my perfect, it's my favorite cocktail for this time of year in a Why? lot of ways. I think it's a lot just, of people think it's just like the summer, a summer cocktail. Oh, really? No, I, to me, it's like a perfect winter cocktail. Like it has that like, you know, the dark rum and and lime give you that like slight hint of of the sort of tropic thing. But it's not I don't want to go drink daiquiris in January, um, at least not in yeah, no Seattle. Um, I mean, you know, take me to a tropical destination. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll be talking. But but when it's uh, 37 degrees and raining out, um, but the dark and stormy to me has like the the warmth and the richness of the of dark rum, uh, the bite of ginger beer, you know, that freshness and tartness of lime juice. It's just like to me, it's like it's just it's the, one of the, my favorite drinks, but really only in this little stretch of time. I don't really go for it. It's definitely not a summer drink to me. Like quite honestly, I'd rather maybe even drink a Moscow mule in the summertime. Don't hate me. Um, but like it, it. it's a perfect drink for this time of year. How about well, you? So, it, Well, it's interesting. You actually say this before I jump into what I've been drinking because, uh, it's funny that you you don't think about you know going to a warm destination because you know I actually learned a piece of fun trivia that I wanted to share with everyone, Ooh. which is that you know actually one of the worst things you can do in the winter is go to a warm destination for halfway through the winter because uh. basically your body acclimates to cold weather throughout the winter. And so by the time you start craving going somewhere warm in January or February, you actually unacclimate your body if you go down to the Caribbean for five, six days, rewarm up your blood temperature, and then come back. And so that's why for people who like go away and then come back and say, oh, the winter was so horrible. I'm like, it's so, so cold. But for most of us, we get used to it by this time of year, and you actually should just wait it out. So good for you for just drinking the dark and stormy and not going down to the tropical <laughs> beach and having a pina colada. Uh, for me, actually, uh, I've... I got into this one really awesome beer actually yesterday. Um, it's the Pilsner from Industrial Arts. It's delicious. It actually uh, was recommended to me by our senior staff writer uh, and beer expert, Kat, who actually is going to be – is the guest on the podcast today. Um, but it was – it's just – it was just delicious and I, I've been really enjoying it. I haven't been drinking as much wine as normal. Um, I don't know. I just am a little tired of it right now. Um, but that's fine. We all go through phases, Right. It's part of the part of drinking. If we only drank the same things over and over again, life would be pretty boring. Exactly. Or I don't know, we'd be different people. Exactly. But so talking about beer, uh, the purpose of today's podcast and what I'm super pumped about is that we're going to talk about the one thing that I think everyone likes to talk about because it seems like it's such utter bullshit. And that is <laughs> what the definition of craft beer actually is. What does it mean for a beer to be craft beer? And the reason we're going to talk about this today is because there's been some news recently, and that is that the brew Brewers Association, which is the organization that oversees uh, all all the people they define as craft breweries in the country, has just yet again changed the definition of what it means to be a craft brewer. And they did that. They changed that definition, although they will not admit it, in order to keep one of the larger brewers, who is probably one of their largest uh, payers of funds probably to support the organization's operations, labeled as a craft brewer. This brewer, who we'll talk about, <clears throat> Sam Adams, brews a lot less beer than they used to. They now basically brew Spike Seltzer. That that basically has made that business 
profitable for the last few years. I think without Spike Seltzer, Sam Adams would would no longer exist. It would be a very different company. However, in the past, the Brewers Association has decided that that does not mean you're a craft brewer. But recently, they changed the definition to say, oh, you know what? If you brew Spark Seltzer, Spike Seltzer, you actually can also still be a craft brewer. So to help us understand this entire argument and, and give her own opinion on what is and isn't craft beer, I have brought along Kat, our amazing uh, senior staff writer and beer aficionado. I, I, I joked with Kat recently that every time a new person drinks beer, she gets her wings. She's really excited <laughs> about beer um, and loves when everyone else is super excited about it as well. So Kat, thank you so much for joining us again. It's true. I do love beer. <laughs> um, I'm a little worried about how pumped you are to talk about this. We You did hyperbolize a little bit. But uh, yes, there are some major changes and it's concerning to a lot of people in the industry and uh, their fans. How did I hyperbolize this? I, I love I, if you could you know, tell me sort of where you stand in this debate. Well, it's true that now brewing companies that brew spiked seltzer or other um, flavored malt beverages can still be considered craft brewers. It's not necessarily true that, you know, they're only making spiked seltzer and they're still craft beer. Um, what changed was the definition, the previous definition of craft brewer um, it's always had three pillars. So that was small, independent, um, and the third one that they changed, which was traditional, is now changed to simply brewer. So what traditional meant was that the beers that a craft brewer makes, um, the flavors derive uh, from traditional or innovative brewing ingredients, meaning uh, for the most part barley, wheat, it can be other adjuncts, but it was specifically stated in that definition, flavored malt beverages are not craft beer or are not beer. And they removed that clause and now maintain that flavored malt beverages are not beer, but that a company can primarily produce flavored malt beverages and still be considered a craft brewer as long as they make beer, period. So there's no requirement that they make a certain percentage of beer or that it be their number one selling item. They can theoretically you could have one of these companies that makes these uh, these flavored malt beverages, which I would love um, your explanation for what exactly those are and and maybe why it is that that those things fall under the brewery heading, because that's a confusing point of law, too. Um, so but there's no there's no requirement that that be that beer, as we typically understand it, be their principal business anymore. Yep. So that would make a lot of sense to say a majority of this company's production of beverage alcohol has to be beer, but uh, that is no longer the case. And that's um, fucking bullshit. I'm sorry. That's bullshit. Well, I think there's an interesting question here, which which I would love to have Kat's opinion on, and, and certainly yours too, Adam, which is like, does the craft beer label mean anything anymore? Like, I get that 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago when – Beer in this country was still entirely the, or almost entirely the domain of a few very, very large brewers who still obviously make most of the beer in this country. That that there was a term needed, there was a, a way to ex, a need to explain to the to the general populace, the beer drinking public who didn't really understand that beer could be anything beyond that, unless they maybe traveled to Europe or or were very, very interested in in the nuances of beer. But we live in a world where, I mean, I live here in Seattle and within a one mile radius of my house. Last time I counted, which is probably now out of date, there were 28 breweries. 
Um, we, we live in a world where there are breweries on every corner. You can go into a grocery store anywhere in this country and find a wide range of beers. Obviously, some of those are quote unquote craft beers that are actually now owned, at least in part by very, very large companies. That's its own story. But I guess like, you know, there's this, there's this like hand wringing about, oh, the dilution of the craft brewing or craft beer label. But I don't fucking think that label means anything anymore to anyone who really cares. I think craft means different things in different contexts. So like you said, it really was like a a big deal, you know, 10 or 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And I think it used to mean craft meant flavorful. It meant not Budweiser. It meant this is beer that's made in, in a way that's different than the macro adjunct lagers that were dominating the beer industry at that time and still do today. And eventually there was enough of it that we started to need different legislations. We needed a trade organization, the Brewers Association, to organize these things. And they had to come up with a definition to figure out exactly what craft meant. And it kind of made sense at the time. But then since they came up with this definition in 2006, like they've changed the definition, I'm pretty sure, four times. Um, and that's because, you know, it makes sense that the the definition has to evolve as the industry evolves and and things change. I'm laughing because Adam is like rolling his eyes, but it's also kind of questionable when there's really only one major brand that's driving a lot of that evolution, so to speak. So I just want to make the point that I, I would like to drive some of this conversation on why I'm so upset. I, I have no beef with any of these brands. I think Sam Adams can call themselves a craft beer if they want to call themselves a craft beer. I understand why we can't call ABM Bev a craft beer. I'm not craft beers. I'm, I'm good with that. Fine, whatever. Sam Adams helped start this entire movement, right? No disrespect to them. The thing that I have an issue with, with this entire cha- continual changing of the ca- uh, categorization of what is and isn't craft, is that you look, and Kat has heard me say this multiple times in this office, you look like a fucking hypocrite when you make your entire case of us versus them, this, this, banner of who is and isn't craft, yet continue to slightly change what that means so that some of your friends can stay under your definition. You just look like you're full of shit and it's really hard then to take everything else you do seriously. The Brewers Association does incredibly important work. They are awesome people. They support amazing beers. I think that this this campaign they've ran for so long that's so just like anti-craft, so us versus them has got to stop. It's because it opens them up. No one would care about the continual changing of this definition if they didn't make it such a big deal to say, well, mm, they're not craft and we are and we're crafty and we're independent. Like don't do that and then keep making these slight little changes that let people that really aren't brewing a lot of beer anymore stay in. Like maybe maybe the fact that you sh- shouldn't have been allowed to brew a lot of you know, spike seltzer in the first place was bullshit. Maybe you can't – dude, craft seltzer. Let's do it. Like who cares? It's – that's what really pisses me off about all of this is that it just – I really don't like hypocrites and it just looks hypocritical. And therefore, what I think you do is you take away the actual meaning of the word and you then, because you're so hypocritical, allow anyone to use it. And so shit, like Budweiser's like, well, you guys are being hypocritical, so we're going to call Goose Island craft still. And is Goose Island still craft? I don't really think so. <clears throat> you let them say it. That is the that is the point I was going to make, which is that I think, you know, maybe in part because of this 
hypocrisy that's come through uh, the Brewers Association. I really think that, you know, the the craft label is maybe a little outdated anyhow, as I mentioned. But I also think there has been this real um, attempt by uh, an effort by a lot of people within the brewing industry to say, you are not craft if at some point in your brewery's evolution, some much larger company comes in and buys up some percentage of ownership of you, or whether it's 100%, 33%, 51%, doesn't really matter. If you're not you know, entirely or almost entirely independent, most people will say, well, you're not craft beer. It doesn't really matter the scope of the beer you're making. It doesn't even matter the quality of the beer you're making, because I would say that some of the people that have been bought up, some of the breweries that have been bought up still make excellent beer. And it's not to say that like, and, and to me, it doesn't really change the the number one question which is like is the beer good to say that like oh the checks are being signed by you know ab inbev or whatever at the end of the day now i understand that for a lot of people who've been in this game for a while there has been this us versus them mentality and it's seeped into everything about this industry it's impossible to extricate a lot of these people and a lot of that mentality but i think we're, we're seeing a new generation of of brewers of beer drinkers who came of age came of drinking age and of brewing age in a world where the the shelves were not only full of the macro brews they've been full of hundreds of beers for as long as they can remember and i think a lot of those people are just not super interested in this argument anymore it's kind of like it's past its prime that there's no real reason to keep rehashing this and i think you know maybe there's another term that needs to be coined cat maybe you can get on this but i think like you know, if we're talking about craft beer as being beer that has more flavor than, you know, Budweiser, that's like almost everything but Budweiser these days. It's hard to find, like, you know, besides sort of, you know, your other kind of macro produced lagers, you know, even the big producers are trying to make beer that tastes good. You know, you're not seeing a lot of people outside of that space who are like emphasizing that their beer is the coldest or the has the lowest number of calories. Uh, I think it's exactly right. What you said about quality is um, the key word here. And there's craft and then there's independent. They're different things. I think independence is still important. I think that customers still love to support their local breweries, independent businesses. They want their money going into their communities and not across the ocean to a giant conglomerate. Um, And that's totally cool. Um, but craft and independent are not the same thing anymore. And that's sort of where it starts to lose its, its meaning, I think. Um, and like you say, a lot of breweries that are no longer, quote, craft by the Brewers Association definition are still making really good beer. So when it gets to that point, like you're calling this beer not craft just because it's getting funding from somewhere else, even though lots of other craft breweries can get funding from other places. And like at that point, you know, it's not even about how the beer tastes anymore. It's just about the the kind of politics behind it. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, like, <sighs> Sam Adams is still independent, yeah? So, like, fine. Uh, you're independent. Like, it, why do we care so much about the other word? It just has, uh, it has, like, emotional ties to it. It's... You know, it's why we love things that are local and small batch and artisanal. It it meant a lot when it was like you either get something bland or you get something craft. But now it's just like the BA says, the definition of craft has evolved. And at the end of the day, consumers don't really care unless they're geeky like us about where their beer is coming from. And they care more about how it tastes and how much it costs. And like that's a reality. Well, and I think there's something else to take note of here, which is like 
the the current state of the beer world and and cat you can correct me if i'm wrong but I, but i think i'm pretty right on this one you know there's now a beer and a level of beer production i guess to fit um almost anyone's needs in pretty much you know every corner of the country so if you are the person who feels deeply that you want your beer drinking to support local business you want to drink beer that's made by someone who you might actually know or can meet or you know they're going to be in the tap room with their dog or whatever you can do that in most communities you know there are craft breweries all over the country in in almost every corner of it and if you're the kind of person who's like what matters to me most is that i get the same exact beer every single time i pick up a six pack well then there's a whole host of options for you whether they're you know some of these technically still independent craft brewers that are just at a very large scale for that industry or whether it's you know your macro brews produced by you know multinational corporations um and and there's everything in between and and so i mean again i think this is sort of like craft beer one like you know the degree to which it's taken over the beer industry you know, the growth is its own question, and that may be a topic for another conversation um, down the road. But, like, no one argues that, like, that doesn't, that beers produced at a small scale don't have a place in the beer world in this country. And no one is at the same time saying that, like, suddenly Budweiser is going to disappear or even Sam Adams is going to disappear. Although, I guess maybe <laughs> if they didn't have hard seltzer, uh, it might have disappeared. But, uh, you know, the, the reality is, like, this is a silly argument to have in a way but again it's this like old guard i think that's dug in and is so you know just views the whole world of beer through this very ideological yeah. lens Dude, it is a little bit it feels like adam it doesn't this feel yeah, like our no, natural it, wine argument yeah, in some, or conversation guard. in some way the only people that care are the old guard people like i don't know new brewers that give a shit yes you do really who they do they care they give a shit about it, the word craft well, they care about their independence and they care about not getting squashed by AB InBev and other global brewers. Yeah, I care about not getting squashed by Condé Nast. But I mean, I don't think they care as much about the word craft as we used to. I think the pe for the most part now, people just want good beer. Like I think most beer bars at this point just have good beer. And if they don't, they're not good beer bars. Like I, I don't know if there's anything anymore like the craft beer bar or, or – Maybe I'm fucking wrong, and I'm just I'm, I'm thinking of a better time. But no, it's you're not wrong. It's true. I think it's almost cheesy to say craft beer sometimes when you're someone who's around it a lot, or if you're actually in the industry. Um, like a great craft beer bar is something that maybe a family member of mine would would tell me, um, but not like my beer friends. Yeah, my dad. My dad. You just my, say I, beer. My, <laughs> like my beer. dad likes beer. My dad's been drinking craft beer since I was five you drank pete's wicked ale like he you know he's an he's og like craft beer supporter never drank that macro garbage but like sorry but i don't he didn't drink light lagers um but like he even i don't think would care because he still really likes goose island and so do i i it's it's just it's so hard i feel like to break down this debate and the only thing that i think matters is let's determine what means you're independent or not and once you're independent, I can decide whether or not I think you're craft. I'm probably going to think you're more craft or more artisanal if you're an independent producer. But I also give a shit. You know, like here's what else is interesting. What I actually care about, which no one fucking talks about on, in craft beer, is what about your fucking ingredients? So you're craft, but you buy a bunch of fucking homogenized grains in order to make these mass-produced beers. Are you craft? Because you shouldn't be. 
Are you trying to buy within a small radius of your brewery so that you're supporting the local farmers? Are you trying to support local hop growers? Because if not, you shouldn't be quote unquote craft. Are you managing your water usage? Water is going to become one of the biggest issues and resources we fight over in the next hundred years in this world. If you're not managing water usage, are you craft? Like that's what, that should be the conversation, not, oh, well, you, you don't just make beer, you make sparkling seltzer. So last year you weren't craft, but this year you are. That's all very true. And it comes down to what is local also is another uh, kind of parallel argument. Like your local brewery doesn't just mean the brewery down the street. Being a local brewery should mean that you're using local ingredients or making some kind of effort to, like you say, source your ingredients from areas and farms within a certain radius, whether it's in your state or just like, you know, in a region that's close to you. Um, And a lot of brewers do that. There are a a great number of brewers who do, but the majority of them do not. Um, The majority are getting all their grains from the same place, their hops from the same place. Everyone's fighting for the same contracts. It's like, yeah, it's uh, it's hard to pin down sometimes exactly what each of these these pillars of being a craft brewer or a, just a modern brewer today means. Kat, I have one last question for you about this topic, and it's a little bit of a builds on what Adam was saying, which is, uh, you know, do you get the sense that breweries that are, you know, that are definitely much smaller than than Sam Adams or even some of the other larger players in what is we'll still call kind of the craft independent space. Do you, do you get the sense that they are frustrated by these changing definitions? Do they feel like the hypocrisy that the Brewers Association has demonstrated is is hurting them? Or do they just kind of look at it and go like, well, this is silly, but like we don't really, it doesn't really matter to us. Like, have you heard from people that they care about this? Yeah, I don't think the brewers actually care as much as the consumers do. And I don't mean like the larger consumer base. I mean all the beer nerds on the internet, on Reddit, on Twitter, uh, and then whoever works for the BA. It's like it's it's neither here nor there for someone who's already started their business. They are making their beers. They're like going at it and doing great. It doesn't really matter to most breweries if the definition changes from a million to six million barrels, which it did. And they're making, you know, like – a hundred thousand, you know, it's it's not like going to affect them that much politically. I think the only people that really talk about it a lot are the Brewers Association, beer press, and beer geeks. And it's also there's like the other argument here that being smaller also doesn't mean you're better. Being small is is cool, and I love supporting small breweries, but that doesn't mean that the quality of their beer is better than the quality of Goose Island's beer. In fact, the more the more investment a brewery has, the better quality their beer can be. They have the investment in the infrastructure to actually have quality control, to have labs, to have like, you know, dedicated staff to making sure everything comes out exactly the way it's supposed to be. It's, it's, uh, it's also a misconception that like craft is always better. It oftentimes is, and most of us prefer it, but it's not always true. I think that's like the, the the moral of the whole story is that it, just because someone is quote unquote labeling themselves as craft doesn't always mean that it's necessarily better. I've had some really bad craft beer. It also is somewhat nice, you know, to be able to go to a dive bar somewhere. And if I do see 
Lagunitas, which now is owned by Heineken on the tap and a bunch of other light lagers that I don't drink, I know it's going to be consistently very good. Like little something – some ale is very good. Like they make good beer. Goose Island makes some good beers. I think that's also what's so interesting is that Goose Island gets railed against a lot for being owned by AB InBev, yet, you know, Bourbon Barrel, Bourbon County Stout or whatever it is, is one of the most highly anticipated beers of the year by any beer geek. So I think that it's it just because the beer is good. I mean, I don't personally like those kinds of beers, but we talked about that yesterday, Kat. We don't have to get into it on this podcast. It'll be another one. But I mean, I think that's just the the, this, the little fight that happens is what bothers me. I'm totally cool having one big evil corporation that, that other people want to rail against. It's what keeps you competitive. It's what it's what keeps you hungry, right? You you never want to be okay with the big guy that that chomps up all the little guys because then you're not ready to fight. Like I'm a very competitive entrepreneur, and so like you know, Cat who works in the office and Zach, you know, who now we've met once a person. I think you both know this, like. I like to go to war with our competitors because like that makes <laughs> us a better company. Like if you, if you sleep on some shit, you're going to get fucking God. And I don't want that to happen. And so none of these brewers want to sleep on AB InBev and they shouldn't because if they sleep on AB InBev, AB InBev will copy their product. AB InBev will put them out of business. So it's very smart for that. I think the, the issue with the entire industry is just this – this fixation on that one word that creates this infighting is just silly at this point. We're not doing that – in, in a lot of other industries, let's just stop fixating on the word. Let's concentrate on independence. Let's concentrate on being making the best beer we can. And let's celebrate beer for being really good beer. And But let's acknowledge, too, when really good beer is made by major corporations. And let's say, like, look, yeah, this beer was really good, but we know they have a lot more money. We know they have a lot more resources. Therefore, this might have been easier for them than someone else to make this kind of a quality product. Let's be honest. And let's not just sit here and say, well, they're not craft. And we are because a, a random definition said so. I have one other very quick point on this, which is which you reminded me of, Adam, which is also that like sometimes we get too concerned about, um, you know, if you, if we care about things like you talked about, about sustainability and and water usage and local sourcing and, and Kat got to this a little bit with quality control, you know, it's great if the brewery around the around the corner for me is all those things, but they produce such a tiny, tiny percentage of the beer in this country that it doesn't really matter. And if you care about those things on a larger scale, you know, you need to care about when and it is happening in some of these cases when the larger producers are putting effort into doing those things, whether it's managing waste and water better, um, whether it's looking to um, support more sustainable agriculture. And so, again, if you kind of only look at things as like, well, if you're big, you must be bad, then, you know, the the large companies either will not care what you think, will not take your um, you know sort of hopes for this industry long term into consideration, or you won't actually support the people who are truly doing that instead of the you know, technically craft, but maybe not very sustainable brewer around the corner. Agreed. Um, well, Kat, I want to thank you so much for being a guest today. Happy to be here. And uh, Zach, it was awesome in this conversation. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, and we will see you again right back here next week. Sounds great. Thanks for listening to Vine Pair. We'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to drop us a line at podcast at vinepair.com. And if you really love the show, we'd love if you rate it and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reviews and ratings really help other people discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is recorded in New York City at Vine Pair headquarters and in Seattle, Washington at Cloud Studios. Our engineer is Nick Patrick, and the show is produced by Zach Jawal and me. Our show logo was designed by Daniel Grimberg. Special thanks as well to the entire Vine Pair staff, including but not limited to my co-founder, Josh Mallon, and our editor-in-chief, Emily Saladino. 
Thanks so much for listening and see you next week.